Hello there. Hey, what's up, man? Got some bad news. What's that? I ran out of drink, so my shot of the week this week is going to have to be out of Minoscan. Oh, man. That's rough. Probably is, I know. Welcome back to the podcast on this, what is today, August 30th, I think. August 30th. Uh, I think we are going to be shifting to a Monday-Tuesday situation for the podcast. It just works out a lot. And welcome back. It's been a couple weeks. It's been a hot mess since I've been here. I'm going to get my shot of the week out I'm back. early. I'm going to get this shout out early, and I'm going to do one to Trevor Murdoch. Overcoming BS and NXT and taking the NWA title after a thousand plus days from Nick Aldis. All right. And don't worry, I have caught myself up from previous episodes that I wasn't on. So I know about the shot of the week. So which um, I can't quite have a shot of the week because for this week, I am completely blind. So this is. And you're going to also have to carry the episode. However, I am still open for discussion. All right. And I want to clarify, too, if there's nothing fantastic going on during the week, you can point out something horrible. A drink to forget or a drink to remember, one or the other, depending on uh, what happened that week. I'm going to try to keep it positive, but if there's something just that's absolutely stank rotten, I'll shoot to that, too. Uh, all right. So I am I am aware of one thing. So let me get this out of the way. Um this is probably like a week overdue, but a shot to forget how bad Bianca was buried. Honestly, it was a subliminal thought. I said it could be something bad. Because that's the first thing that came to mind. We're, we're like twins on this show, man. I think something. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to bring it up yet, or I'm not going to bring it up right now. And then you bring it up, and I'm like, well, all right. <laughs> prep work together for the really show. Dull. So there's, like, no chance of, like, planning that happening. It, it literally is just uh, – it's just chance that it happens. It, it's just something that just can't explain. Oh, yeah. Well, I thought we would start with something that's a little quick because I am going to be honest, I don't know many people on this show, uh, and I thought we would cover the NWA 73 results. All right, yeah, I I won't know much on this either, so. Yeah, I I took highlights, and by highlights, I mean title matches. There were a few other things that happened on the card uh, that I did not cover okay so nwa 73 i'm going to start off the nwa women's champion camille retained against uh chelsea green via submission the nwa national champion chris adonis retained against james storm the nwa tag champions i might butcher names i might just forget, I don't watch NWA, forgive me. But I believe it's Aaron Stevens and J.R. Kratos lost the titles to La Rebellion. And okay. the NWA World's Championship title match between Trevor Murdoch and Nick Aldis, which was also a title versus career match, ended with Trevor Murdoch winning. Ending a, what would that be, probably three-year reign? Yeah, because three That's years would insane. be roughly a little over a thousand days, so right around three years, if not three years. Yeah, that's that's rough math. That's pretty close to three years. 
Hey, yep. Which is uh, pretty insane. That Speaking is of... a lengthy title run. That's something that you would have seen it back before, like prior to WWE was like very well known. Oh yeah, territory days. Oh yeah. Probably last seen in early seventies, roughly. Reigns that long. Well, yep. Well, not even Hogan. I was gonna say Hogan, but Hogan didn't even hold the title for that length of time. Speaking no. of title reigns and anniversaries, there's actually an anniversary today. One year ago Ooh. today, at I believe it was payback, Roman Reigns won the Universal Championship from Bray Wyatt. Mm. Of this being recorded. Okay. All right, time. that's something I I did not think of once we said anniversary for title change. Okay. Who are you thinking? Or are we just not thinking anybody? Just... I wasn't thinking it. I just wasn't thinking anybody specific. Yeah, it that was one actually did ca- catch me by surprise. Yeah. We made it to a year. Which seems a little bit longer than I would have thought, but makes sense. Yeah. All right. You did you listen to the show from last? Was it last week? Yes, I listened to the. the I believe it was three episodes I wasn't on, so I've listened to all three. Okay, I've I made mention of a, I guess you'd call it a theory of mine that we are entering another cartoon slash new generation era of WWE. Yep. Which for those of you that don't know is, you know, the era which we got Shawn Michaels as a singles competitor, Bret Hart, Yoko, people like that. And it was also the debut of a lot of characters, the people that you would see and you knew who they were based on their gimmick. Yoko was a sumo wrestler. Bret Hart was Bret Hart. Uh, there was Kane, Undertaker, Gobbledygooker. There were gems and there were diamonds in the rough. Diamonds in the rough and, you know. I mean, the, the, one of the characters didn't happen until much later, but the Boogeyman. Yes. The, that the was Ruthless Aggression Era, I believe. Yes, it was. If I remember right. But it's, a near, it's around Ruthless Aggression near the end of the Attitude Era. Yeah, I drew the correlation that we are perhaps entering another new generation slash cartoon era of wrestling. And I put together some ideas and some evidence for this, if you care to hear it. I'm open. Lead the way. Between characters and the way things are going. Going. So, I, you've probably next year is going away from the indie wrestler scene, the scene that made them white hot and blow up to the proportion they were, and they're focusing oh on people my God. That they can build from the bottom up, much like what they did with the new generation, for the most part. For the most part, it was new guys that they made into their own thing. Whereas before you got them from territories and then in more recent times, you would see that they were successful somewhere else. You'd bring them in and hopefully that success would follow them with however you package them. But now we're moving away from that indie scene, away from signing established wrestlers from what I've seen and now we're going to be taking people based on athletic prowess I would hope and building them into what you want so that's the first thing that I noticed that's the repackaging of NXT has gotten me very mad oh absolutely I, I don't want to say they've gutted that company but they have at least skinned it 
They didn't the trim logo. The they trimmed essential parts. The logo sucks. Them. If that's the logo, there's some doubt. I, mm, I believe it's official, but it just sucks. We love our black and gold brand. Don't mess with it. Please, I mean, you can mess but with it a little bit, but like I, every logo for WWE has been like somewhat the same. Like there was a trace of the prior generation, at least. Yeah, this, this just this is just a complete. It's it's like complete change. If you put, I'm I'm getting you off track from your thing, but I just want to get this out. So, sure. if you want something that appeal, I get it. You got the new logo, which I don't like compared to the old one. If you put them side to side, more than likely that. You're gonna get people that will look at the old one and say that one is more simplistic, and that one will grab my attention. But if you look at this one, you look at it and you're like, "What's going on? Why is there so much going on in this one logo?" It's think kind very, of like I think a very base thing that maybe people overlook, but I think something subliminally that you see too. You see Raw, that's the red brand. You see SmackDown, that's the blue brand. NXT was the yellow brand, and now it's just this. Colors. That's another thing. Colors. If it's vibrant and it sticks out, yeah. and you remember it. They're going for things you remember. Good. Another point. Yeah. We have associated NXT with black and gold. Why are they changing that? For like, um, a, I I'm looking at how I see it. The rainbow color. Well, it's got like a whole bunch of other different colors on it. To me, I look at that and I'm like, it's either someone just like grabbed several paint buckets and just like move the brush everywhere in some random way or something to that extent. You could go the AEW stand route and say, oh, well, now AEW owns black and gold. And that might be like a petty reason that Vince did it because he wants to distance maybe it's part of the reason or the push but i don't know it it, it could be part of the reason because like looking at what wwe <laughs> has pulled just from like the little to no information i have is that vince is in a bit of a panic mode from cm punk but we i guess we can get into that later you can go on with your um um this recreation of a wacky era well, I'll remember it too, but it's um, I think they know down in their hearts that unless they completely flip everything, every character, every aspect of that company on its head and goes more of a TV 14 route that they're not going to win that 18 to 49 demographic. And even if they did, they probably wouldn't win it because you've changed everything so drastically. It takes the believability out of it as far as like changing mm-hmm. characters and making things more gritty. But I, I listened to some of the busted open podcasts with bully Ray and they made some good points too, that they're, bringing in a bunch of business people it's not wrestling people and it's not wrestling standpoint and what it makes sense for in wrestling and they're looking at it from a marketing standpoint and you know we're probably going to enjoy a couple things on the show but you know they're focused on a different demographic and i i think they're just catering to that demographic that you know they're going to see this character and say you know, they're wearing bright colors. They must be a good guy or they're smiling all the time. They must be a good guy or vice versa with the bad guys. And not really caring so much about the adult fans so much or maybe not targeting them. So I, th- I think they're moving a demographic to where because it's a lot easier for them to go a little softer than it is for them to get grittier as far as believability. Yeah. Um, and I, I agreed with a lot of what they said and it kind of, a little bit, I guess, 
because I've been looking at these results of like Raw and SmackDown and watching the shows, and I'm like, why are we doing this? Why is everything so ridiculous and everything's a joke? And then I look at it, and it's just a different demographic. I don't know. The, in my opinion, they are appealing to the wrong audience. The reason why us as wrestling fans are watching is that we love the business. We love wrestling. I literally have a conversation today with my neighbors like while I was heading to work discussing about how much that I'm, I love this business and how our knowledge that we have just as viewers that it, it's insane to just be viewers and have a passion for something that we we grew up with or we got into because I grew up with with um, WWE like since I was I would say born just because it would mean my dad watching Monday Night Raw we never had SmackDown but we would watch Raw and they're catering to this businessman and for what just for like just for freaking stocks or some some nonsense for money it's bound to run dry if they if they don't cater to the wrestling fans in well, my they were, opinion they were saying too and i and i agree with a lot of it a lot of it's like things that when i think about them like you know what that makes sense and i could see it they're trying to market this stuff out and you know, so they get the kids in seats and the kids are going to bring their parents and the parents buying the, the shirt and the, you know, whatever merchandise they have and then watching the show. And, you know, just watch Carrion Cross is going to have like a replica mask that you can buy at the store. They already have a Lily doll. They have, God, what else? I'm sure they have a Nikki A.S.H. mask. I haven't looked, so I don't know, but I'm sure they do. You know, stuff like that that's marketable, and they're looking at it from that. Makes sense. Business-wise. I don't think wrestling-wise a great thing, but, you know, I'm also a almost 23-year-old dude that just wants a grittier product, and that's AEW, and that's fine. I'm glad that we live in this era now where that's not the only. Yes, we have. This is the product, best time to I be a wrestling. Oh, absolutely. If I want a grittier product, I, if I want to, if I want to watch deathmatch wrestling for some reason, I can watch CZW. If I want to watch Impact, I can watch Impact. If I want to watch indie stuff, I can watch Ring of Honor. Or I can go on YouTube and watch indie shows. Because a lot of those indie promotions around the country and even around the world upload their stuff to YouTube to make it accessible. If I want to watch mm-hmm. Japanese wrestling, I can watch New Japan or All Japan if I feel like staying up till 3 in the morning to watch it on TV. Because honestly, that's one of the only reasons I don't watch it is because I have no access to it unless I want to pay out the wazoo for it. And I don't feel like doing that. Yeah. No, I, I <clears throat> Me being like six hours ahead of you, New Japan is like not accessible at all for me. I would have thought the opposite. Well, considering because you have to be like what three up at like three in the morning for you, I would have to be up at like Roughly. nine in the morning, and I would be out at work. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, if if I had like DVR or something, I mean, I could pull it off, but I don't. I just have like the um coax cord because i'm in an apartment but yeah right i have enough wrestling to watch as it is between everything we watch and oh yes we have plenty of wrestling my classes just started up today again i'm working i got a lot of stuff going on you guys know i'm on ebay doing stuff i'm collecting stuff doing all this other Mm -hmm. Not exactly a whole lot of time to watch any other wrestling. More, much less comment on. Yes, on everything. 
I digress. So the next examples I have of entering this cartoon slash new gen era two of WWE are all characters. And I'm going to read them off and give some elaboration where needed. The obvious, I feel like I don't even have to say anything about it. Akira Tozawa is a ninja. Oh my god, I, I keep forgetting about this until you say Akira Tozawa. That's it. He's just a ninja. That's <sighs> and the, the little boys and girls in the crowd are going to go, oh, it's a ninja, and his stuff will sell on that. That's, that's the marketability to that. The second one, because I went down the roster, so this is going to be an alphabetical. Um, Alexa Bliss. And I draw connections between Alexa Bliss and Papa Shango. Because they're kind of doing the same thing on a base level. They're trying to get to this darker element, this more, well, now satanic. Papa Shango is borderline. I more, I, he, I think he's he more, virtually. yeah, it's more like a cult, like. Which is kind of the same thing, but I don't know. It's It dances the same line. Yeah. Anyways, clear connection there. Apollo Crews. And you want to know why he's on this list? I have a feeling why, but go ahead. It's the ethnic tie. Yep. His Most of his character arc is based on the fact that he is... Is it Nigerian? Yes. Okay. I always forget. But for that, I draw... And, and that could be an argument, too. For different generations, they, they've all had characters like this. But, and this is a little before the cartoon era, but Iron Sheik is one when things started mm-hmm. to shift. Um, Iron Sheik's one. I think of Akeem, the African Dream. I think of him. And yeah, that's that's really all I have on that one. But I, his marketability is he's Nigerian. Colonel Aziz goes right along with that argument. Um, next, I have Drew McIntyre. The Scottish psychopath. Was the Scottish psychopath. Now he's the Scottish swordman. Because everything he does now, he has to have his sword. It even has a name that I forget what the name is. I couldn't even tell you the name of it. This is news to me. It's been probably because I've been out of the loop for this month off the top of my head I can't think of what it is but he he has a name for the sword and his marketability is a sword he's Scottish you see a sword you see Drew McIntyre that's his marketability this one has a question mark next to it because it depends on what they do Elias because they Uh, can go Are you talking Drifter Elias or what they're going to do with him since he no longer has his guitar? What they're going to do with him. Because there's a repackage there and I feel like this is going to be not really a nail in the coffin, but it's going to be definitely a strong point towards this argument if he gets repackaged as something more quote-unquote marketable, recognizable, whatever you want to call it. I would argue that he's more marketable as a drifter like it wasn't hard well i don't know how it's hard for creative but like i would argue that i like this drifter stuff when he was either he or face it was very entertaining it was but i feel like it's one of those ideas that was great in the moment but you run out of stuff to do with it like they just hit that point and then they just dragged it for miles and then they're like you know what we're gonna change this which awesome I'm glad they're changing it, but they dragged it on a little too long. Oh, next on my list is one that you're probably going to shake your head at. Carrying Cross. Interesting. Mr. Mad Max slash Gimp. Have you? you... Right. No, I no. have not. Oh, no. 
Yes. Do this is new to me. To, uh, do you have access to the internet outside of this podcast right now? Um. Well, yeah. While well, well, you're talking, let me pull it up on my computer real quick. Yeah. Look it up. Carrying Cross, new look. look no, up when, you said, when you said GIMP, I'm like, you are... Nope. No, they can't be killing this guy. Like, pun, no pun intended. Like, they're not killing Carrying Cross, are they? Please tell me. Well, no. He, he did have a, a squash match where he won on Raw, I think, against Ricochet. I think. Oh, everyone everyone squashes Ricochet. Well, he didn't lose yet. But that that's another big one because they're going to market the mask. They're going to market all that. You're going to see oh, the mask. God. You're going to know it's him. The next one on the list is kind of a whatever one. They've been around for a while, so it's kind of like, yeah, this isn't exactly proof. Uh, Viking Raiders. They're that Vince's like great idea, and I don't like it. And War Raiders, please. Yeah, to be fair, they were War Machines, so it wasn't exactly a rebrand. It was just kind of like, you know, they just kind of changed the name a little bit, so it was kind of a merge. It wasn't just a total repackage, but they still deserve to be on there because it's a, it's. You see the face paint, you know it's what? that. What is this mask? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's a new era, Brandon. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, what the hell are you doing? We've gotten to the point in our lives, our very short lives so far, where we can say what is wrong with this generation for the first time. And it has to be in wrestling and one of the things we hold dear. This man can sell without this mask. You just have to, to the same extent that you book Brock freaking Lesnar if you really want to. And get ready, because Keith Lee apparently, this is rumor, but Keith Lee apparently is going through a repackage. Nobody knows what it's going to be, but apparently he's going, he needs it. Let me, let me preface with that. He needs it. He needs it because of how. When they touch Uh, something, you know, Midas turns things to gold. They do the opposite. They turn it to dust. Have you, have you seen uh, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance? Yes. You know the guy that touches stuff and it just like mm-hmm. just falls apart and deteriorates in his hands? That's what happens when they get a hold of these guys. It just it's gone. Rots away. Anyways, my next one is formerly known as King Corbin, formerly, formerly known as Baron Corbin. He is now Happy Corbin. Happy Corbin. Happy Corbin. He came out, and we'll get to this later, but he came out on SmackDown and offered to buy Big E's contract for $100,000, Ted DiBiase style, and obviously got rejected. But his new thing is he is one big at the casino, gambling, and now apparently he's rich. So the redemption arc of Baron Corbin comes questionably early. And I say questionably because some people would say it's too soon. Some people would say maybe not. But it's a character. You think of him, you think of money. Kind of like a Ted DiBiase, but not as flashy. I have two more on this list. One of them is Johnny Drip Drip, John Morrison. <laughs> when you say uh, that every time thingy, what do you think? Oh, uh, 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 that's right. America's Moist wanted Morrison. John Morrison. 
Oh. Uh, just every time I hear Johnny Drip, and I just have to chuckle. It's just too funny, and I I hate that it's funny. Oh, me too. Me too. Uh, Nikki Ash is the last one I have, and probably the most, the biggest offender face version of it. That is the biggest offender, in my opinion, of this. Yes. And we talked about it last week on the show, but I really hope it's a redemption arc. And then Charlotte kind of beats her down and breaks that spirit, and she comes back. It's crazy. Nikki Cross. But it's not looking like that's going to happen, because it looks like she's tagging with Rhea Ripley now, which doesn't make sense. Ah, I love Rhea Ripley. I love her style wrestling. Please, 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 with all due respect, Nikki and Rhea, do not let this happen. I want Rhea Ripley to be a solid singles competitor. I want Nikki to also have that same solid singles run with a proper gimmick. But Rhea Ripley can be a Hall of Fame worthy competitor. If they give her the same treatment as they've been giving the four horsewomen. The career is still young, Brandon. She's got time. Oh, I hope so. I truly hope so. I'm losing faith within WWE every single week. As am I. But that is, those are my proofs, I guess, or evidence that we are entering another new generation slash cartoon era. Let's uh, let's move on, because I, yes, I have a, a bit more to talk over. Actually, I don't have that yeah. much, but it's kind of. I'm still looking at this stupid mask. Oh my god! Don't keep looking at it. Just shut it. So okay, freaking so dumb. Let's talk NWA's Empower. I didn't personally watch it. I didn't have the time. But I have three highlights from it. All right. First of all, Awesome Kong came out and announced her retirement. The first ever NWA Women's Tag Team Champions were crowned, and it is the Hex. And Chelsea Green won the NWA Women's Invitational Cup. Which I believe, because Empower took place the night before NWA 73. I believe that Invitational Cup gave her the championship match against Camille. I believe. Mm. On to Dynamite. So, did you watch Dynamite? I I haven't seen Jack Squat. You missed a pretty good show. A pretty solid episode. I believe CM Punk made his Dynamite debut. He did, but I'm not going to dwell on that too long. He just basically had a promo, plugged his match, and, and he made the, the. He asked if he could still go, if he's still the best in the world. And the people were chanting yes. And he said, That's not my shtick. You might have to be a little patient for. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a Daniel Bryan tease. Yep. So, yeah. That, that was that was what came out of that. Really nothing groundbreaking. Um, we had two tag matches on the show. We had Gun Club versus The Factory, which was an awesome match. We also had the Lucha Bros versus the Varsity Blondes. Another fantastic match. And the Lucha Bros won to move on in that <laughs> tag tournament, which is awesome. It was one of those matches where I was like, I'm, I'm good with either team winning because I like Brian Pillman Jr. and I like Lucha Bros. I prefer the Lucha Bros to win because I'm not big on, I always forget his name. I think it's Garris, um, the other half of Varsity Blondes. But I yeah. like Rio Phoenix and I like Penta. So two great matches. Uh, you all said Orange Cassidy versus Matt Hardy. That was a fun match. Oh, yeah, it does sound like a fun match. I might go back and watch that. It was pretty good. Um, they they did it. You know, Orange Cassidy's a little half kicks. 
Yes, his devastating kicks. They they had a square up in the middle of the ring where Matt was doing the delete, and then he would do the <laughs> half kick, delete, half kick. That was pretty entertaining. And then Matt Hardy stole Orange Cassidy's gimmick and put, put his hands in his own pockets. And then he pulled out money and got hit, and the money flew everywhere. Hardy went out of the <laughs> ring. And Orange Cassidy picked up a hundred dollar bill, did the hand in his pocket thing, and pocketed the hundred bucks. <laughs> it, it was just a bunch of like cheeky stuff like that. That was just fun. Uh, Orange Cassidy picks up the win. Good, fun match. Put the new guy over. Uh, it was good. Um, yeah. Let's go to the bad part of Dynamite, and then we'll go to a conversation heavy part of it. Do you know who Red Velvet is? Red Velvet. Yes. I know the name Velvet, and that makes me think of Velveteen Dream. Please don't want to be Velveteen Dream. No. Red Velvet okay. is a female wrestler. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Because, like, I I just heard I want to make a, a guess, but I do not know who Red Velvet is. Yes. She is not a... I'm not even going to say not a fantastic wrestler, not a good wrestler on AEW's roster. She had a match with Jamie Hayter, who came back, and she's aligning herself with Britt Baker. And obviously, she's she's a heel. And mm-hmm. Red Velvet and Britt Baker had a match on the first Rampage for the title. So they've had like kind of a mini feud that's now spewing into like Jamie Hayter and Red Velvet a little bit. The match was clunky. There were two. She did it twice. Jamie Hayter was on the outside. Red Velvet was on the inside. She did the dive between the ropes and they fell like a sack of potatoes. And I know Jamie Hayter's work. That was not her fault. That was Red Velvet's fault. And she did it twice in a row. And then towards the end of the match, she goes for a, it wasn't a moonsault, but it was a backflip into a splash. Completely missed Jamie Hader. Completely. If, if they were behind, if she would have been behind her, like maybe half a foot more, she would have landed it. Looked horrible. On a technical level, it was a horrible match. So there we go. I said something bad about it. <laughs> Can you believe it? Technically, too, well, I just count CM Punk's part not being groundbreaking. I mean, I think that it may be just whatever, but still, like this, the sole fact that um, CM Punk is even showing up. Back to back, uh, no, not back to back. Back, am I right in not saying that or no? Well, yeah, yeah, because he was on. Okay, I'm now dynamite. Yeah, so like him showing up back to back is st- like it, it is not not as surface level like internet breaking as it was on Rampage, but it's still, at least in my opinion, a big deal. I think it's something he had to do to a to show us he was going to be there all the time and not a part-timer and b you really can't put him in a match yet or have him come out with anybody because all the focus is on him so i mean it was i'm not saying it wasn't a good part of the show or it was something that should have been replaced i'm just saying it wasn't anything you're not missing anything by not watching it yeah that's what i mean by that i still I would still say it's a it's a big deal as much as it uh, at a surface level is more meh. I mean it still was. I still watched it, but I mean it, it I'm just saying it's not anything insane. Yeah. The last thing I have for dynamite is something I want to ask your opinion about. Okay. So Jericho comes out and the the promotion for him coming out was he's going to address his future. 
So, you know, you know what's coming. Uh, mm-hmm. So he basically says, MJF, if I can't beat you at all out, maybe I shouldn't be rest. I shouldn't be wrestling. And he says, maybe I'll go on commentary or whatever. And he puts it out that it's going to be, he wants to fight MJF at all out. And if he loses, he'll retire from in-ring action. Do you think this is the right move for Jericho? So I will tell you from being, from watching Jericho over the years that my heart is torn on it. However, I think that even considering his age, um, I think it's the move. I agree. He is going to put over MJF, win or lose, he is going to put him over. He's going to make MJF a big deal. Something that AEW, in all honesty, truly needs. Someone that's not in a title picture, that's a big deal. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about it very short term. Put over MJF, have him win, retire Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho gives a final rub before he retires, moves to commentary, whatever he ends up doing. They already have a huge commentary team for every show anyway. So probably not that unless they replace somebody. But then long term, you got to think, you know, and they really haven't done anything with either group in the past roughly month. But what happens with inner circle? What happens with the pinnacle? And the pinnacle isn't exactly tied to inner circle, but you know, what happens to them? Because you put MJF on this pedestal and, you know, Sean Spears is losing matches all the time. FTR is out of business for right now because, um, God, I always get the names mixed up. I believe it's Dax. No, it's not Dax. It's Cash. Uh, got his arm gouged by the ring. Yeah. You know, Wardlow's there, but he's not doing anything. Then you look at the inner circle, Sammy Guevara's winning matches, Santana and Ortiz haven't been around on TV lately. Hager hasn't been around. You know, what do you do? Then they lose Jericho, who takes over? You're not going to put Guevara in that position. I think he's a great guy and a very talented guy, but he's just not ready for that role. Or does... Does Jericho take on an MJF position or a MJF MVP position where he just leads them, but he doesn't wrestle? He might get a spot here or there just to get a lick in, but I don't know. Jericho like truly does retire from in ring action. Him as a manager for will be a massive deal. This man can cut promos like it's nobody's business, and he work in the ring. It's like nobody's business, which I believe is amazing. Oh, yeah. I, so, I think that if you want to truly really use Chris Jericho, if you were true, want, like if he wants to be around, like building up these younger faces, I truly do believe that he's going to try to take on Nigeria. I hope he does, honestly. I. I really don't think they need anybody for commentary, anyone else. And I don't know what would happen to the inner circle without him, honestly. So I I hope he retires and he switches to a more managerial role and like a, a mentor, I guess, because all the guys in his group are young. Yeah. So switch that over and then start building – the members of the inner circle. And let me go and ahead maybe and also they, see. Maybe they turn face from it too, and they're all face. I mean, they already kind of are. They're like on the fence, but, you know, maybe push for them to be more of a face faction. Yeah. What were you going to well, say? Let me, just, let me just state to, for our listeners that, like, either outcome I'm okay with. Chris Jericho still has some gas in the tank. I'm all for it. He can, he can again, pull off an 
outstanding match. And if he retires, then like a little bit of me is gonna be torn because like I'm gonna I know I could be missing out on some insane matches, but I know if he truly does, like if we've seen this before previously, but I don't know if Jer- Chris Jericho is gonna do it. Wrestlers are gonna go ahead and like have their retirement match, and then like with another business, still wrestle. I really hope it doesn't go that way. We've seen this a couple times, and I want to forget them. Like, I want to forget about Ric Flair wanting to wrestle in TNA after his beautiful match with Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is another one. Yeah, Shawn Michaels. Was it one or two matches? It was one match. Oh, oh, for WrestleMania, it was two matches. No, my bad. Shawn and – that's what I meant. DX and Brothers of Destruction. I think it was just – it was one match, and oh my good one, oh my good word. Yeah, that was a rough match to watch. Those, those pay per views are rough to watch, just because they're just guys that don't have the gas in the tank. But that's besides the point. Yeah, besides the point. Skip, I want to skip SmackDown for right now because there's a, some conversation to be had there, a little more than Rampage. Let's talk Rampage after I take a swig of my Nas here. <laughs> My throat's drying up from all the saltiness I've been throwing. <laughs> so, on Rampage, we had the finals of um, the tag team tournament. And it was the Lucha Bros and Jurassic Express. Another match where it's like, yeah, it could go either way. I'd be fine. I'd prefer Lucha Bros, but I mean, I could see Jurassic Express too. I wouldn't be upset. Uh, Lucha Bros beat Jurassic Express. So, now they're going to take on... The Young Bucks it all out in a steel cage for the titles. And I mentioned this on last week's show, but I think it's important for them to win because then that could feed into the Andrade feud that Death Triangle and Andrade have been having, where Andrade said, if you're not with me, you're not going to win gold. And they can come back and be like, "Mm, yeah, we can. Not that it really means anything because obviously Andrade on his own isn't going to win the tag titles, but yeah, it'll be fun. Pack and Andrade is going to be fun too. I I really look forward to that. Oh, next we have the Bunny beating Ty Conti using brass knuckles. That was kind of whatever. It was a solid match. It was just not anything insane. Uh, and then the main event was a little predictable, but that's okay. Christian Cage and the Elite Hunter Kazarian took on Brandon Cutler and Kenny Omega. Christian hits the kill switch on Cutler and pins him for the win. And I say it's kind of predictable because, you know, you're really headlighting Omega versus Christian for All Out and given that preview. Yeah. And you're not going to kill Kazarian as him being the elite hunter. In terms of, you know, the grand scheme of who's all involved, he is the no-name in this situation. So he had to. Yeah. And that's what happened. So it was kind of just like, yeah, that happened. Just was what it was. It was a good match. It just, the ending was like, yep, that's, that's what should have happened and what did happen, so. That's that's fine and all, as long as like, as long as I see it as a, like a net positive, then it's still fine. Oh, absolutely. Now SmackDown. We already talked about Happy Corbin offering offering Big E hundred thousand dollars for Money in the Bank. He declined it. There are two highlights I put from the show that I want to talk about. All right. The first one I have to ask a question with. So we had Bianca. Zelina, Liv, and Carmella in a fatal four-way for the number one contendership. My question is why those four women? It's true WWE booking because they are going to have... It's predictable as all sin because you have a person who lost the title because WWE isn't doing rematch clauses or just throwing a name out of a hat, or you get a title shot. Drive off. 
So you have a person who just lost the title. You have a person who is the dark horse. Then you have Carmel, which is previous champion slash um, person that can compete for a title. And I forgot who the fourth person was. Liv. Liv. That I was referring Carmella. to uh, Zelina. And Zelina Vega, who is, um, I was referring to Liv Morgan as a dark horse. Um, okay. Zelina Vega is she's essentially I still knew being brought back and she's just filling a spot so in all reality well, my, my thing the way I look at it you know Bianca's gonna win and she did mm-hmm. but yep. you have two people on a redemption arc with Zelina and Liv because Liv is she's not going undergoing a repackage but she's kind of turning a different cheek mm-hmm. so to say and they haven't built it up at all they've just changed her Zelina came back after nobody thought she was going to and she's wrestling on her own which is something that a lot of people have been saying like yes finally and you have these two women on a redemption arc but yet you book them to lose every single week against the two people in the limelight namely Bianca and Carmella and and I don't get it why not have because you brought Tony Storm up you, you're not using her at all and th- that books you into another corner I admit because who do you put over but why not have a side storyline why does everybody have to be in the title picture honestly um, I'm, I'm going to ask who took the fall because it's going to who took the pinfall? Because it's got to be Liv Morgan or Zelina Vega. Which one of the two took the fall? The final pinfall? It was Liv. Yeah. Oh. Now, what I would have done, what I would have done is I would have had Bianca cutting a promo on how she got the championship stolen, pure face reaction. Then you got Carmella mm-hmm. coming out to interrupt saying, I didn't even get to challenge you. And she's a heel. And then say, well, if you want to get to Becky, you got to go through me, the former champion, and then number one contendership match. You got your face and your heel. You got a match. You really don't know who they're going to go with. I mean, you have a feeling it's going to be Bianca because she lost the title, but eh, will it be? You still have that like small doubt, but, which would have been, in my opinion, proper booking. Because then you, you can still have with what I would and call it the rematch clause that WWE doesn't want to use anymore. Right. And and with Carmella, you've put her up, you've put her over enough with matches and everything else leading up to this in recent times that losing this match doesn't do much. Now, Zelina and Liv, they're jobbing out, sadly, because I like both of them. I think they're really good wrestlers, but they're jobbing them out. It's it's kind of like what they did with Balor at the beginning. Well, yes. not at the beginning, but like with Roman, it's like he was an unnecessary addition to that that just got chumped out unnecessarily. And they're doing the same thing. Oh, it's so so frustrating. Oh, because they have he did challenge Roman this week. So he will be facing Roman for the title, I believe, on SmackDown this week. It, yeah, I already, it's already a predictable ending. It's, oh yeah, he's he's not gonna win the title. I uh, so frustrating. Very. But oh, <sighs> the last thing I want to go over: Sami Zayn. Beats Dominic Mysterio. At the end of the match, Dominic gets mad about it. Ray tries to calm him down and gets ignored, and Dominic walks off. So they're finally pulling the trigger on the family feud. Meh. I don't think they're going to. I think it's going to be more of a mentoring session, but. Well, I, I see, I see a pattern with WWE's booking, and 
with um, Dominic going ahead and essentially brushing off Miss uh, Ray Mysterio, trying to calm his son down. You 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 know what you, they love to do. WWE loves to break up tag teams, but I think oh, yeah. that this... they're, they're going to assassinate that team completely. Which I think this is about the time where I have mentioned previously when I was on the podcast that Rey Mysterio is going to try to get Dominic over in the forms of a feud with his son and maybe even like pass off the mask as as what I'm using as a metaphor, passing off the mask. I don't know they if he's going to do that literally, but... Um, they better give us some time because they have not built him up nearly enough to beat Ray, whether he's been in the business 30 years or 100 years. I don't care. I hope that Dominic and Ray have been um, doing doing runs or practicing uh, like their in-ring work so that way they can pull off a spectacular match. This is my hope because like I've said before, I see I can see the greatness, the, the potential in Dominic. He has potential. He just needs to uh, get those um, rough edges clean, uh, straightened out. And that's the thing. I think he does, but at the same time, I don't care. The only personality he has is being Ray's son. So far. They haven't given him the mic, which I would probably say is for the best right now because we don't know his promo work. At least I don't think, I don't remember him having the mic very often. No, it's always, you know, I'm Ray's son. So therefore, I'm an overface too. So. Which is not true. So that's that's what they did with Charlotte is, you know, she was Charlotte Flair. She was the daughter of Rick. And then she started doing her own stuff with some touches from her father's career. But she got over. And that's kind of what they're missing from Dominic. Dominic is glued to Ray's hip. Anytime Dominic's there, Ray's there. And I think that's an issue that he hasn't had time to do anything on his own or. I, I would say that is to blame on creative because it's probably to be the blame of creative and Ray Mysterio himself. Cause I'm sure he has creative control over him and his son in terms of when they're going to pull the trigger on this feud. Right. And I don't, when I think of Dominic, the first thing I think of is Ray. I don't think of matches. I don't think of moves or anything like that. I think of Ray. That's they're, fair. They're glued together. They're glued together, and like his move set is very similar to his father, which is to be expected because who's trained him? His wife. Which his is father. fine, but like everything he does, it's like, oh, it's just like his father. Let him be himself. Pay homage. And I think. Don't don't be a tribute band. Pay homage. That's kind of what I think of yeah yeah you know, i think if you're, if you're a tribute band it's gonna be like oh it sounds just like whatever band you're covering but if you do stuff yeah. that's kind of that inspired you to do inspired you to get into music but it's your own stuff you stand a way better chance of in wrestling terms getting over but in terms of music making money selling records whatever the case may be yeah. In my honest opinion, I think that it's good to have a similar moveset as long as he has enough differences in it to where he can sell himself. And that's and, not completely on him either. It's the commentator saying, oh, it's just like his dad, and it's him being with Ray all the time. And they're, they're playing too much of the nostalgia game. They need exactly. to have him have his own identity us older fans will be nostalgic and we will 
all for those that were there for the ruthless aggression area ruthless aggression era well remember the ladder match for Dominic custody against mm. Eddie Guerrero it's been memed to death yeah. but, we, but we remember all of those good and bad and we cherish those good and bad memories so Thing. they can, they can, in all honesty, they can use that later on, and they're gonna they want. But in order for it to be really effective, Dominic needs to stand out. Honestly, I think you should have some conversation conversations with Charlotte. Honestly, I think they should have a talk on that stuff. I think they, she could help them out a lot in just subtle things they could do. And again, I don't know how much of it is him and how much of it's creative or Ray, but at the same time. Uh, Dominic Monsieur needs to no longer be the project child. He needs the, his moment is coming very soon. I see it. I see it happening. And it's going to be a shame that it doesn't look like it's going to be a WrestleMania match because I know that if given the time, this could be a WrestleMania moment for Dominic and Ray. That's I, just me, I would argue maybe not, the, not this upcoming Mania, but maybe the one after. I would spend the time up to Mania building Dominic up on his own. Give him a couple failures. Let him bite off a little more than he could chew after he gets a pretty big win and then you know go back to the drawing board learn and you know somewhere along the line have him and Ray fight and have it blow over and you know then they set up that mania match and then it's believable if that's what happens Uh, yeah yeah, I mean, that, I can't really, I'm I can't sorry. really elaborate on my two cents, but um, that's my that's my take. That's how my booking brain would go. I clearly know this stuff better than him. I'm gonna start my own wrestling brand. That's it. <laughs> I'm gonna be the next billionaire wrestling entity. Well, we have surpassed the hour mark, sir. Yes, we have. Shall we call it an episode? Yeah, we can call it an episode. I'm gonna I wanted to bring up a talking point, but I can save it for next episode. And it's about um what I talked to what I mentioned in the group chat like a while ago. You won't remember, but you will next week when I'm back on the show. I might G- give us a give us a preview so I know. All right, so is it fantasy there, booking? It's not fantasy booking. That's something that we were still going to talk uh, offline about. So, the my preview is that this man that I will be discussing about, and maybe even just just I will be discussing about this, and it's something that we have talked about before on the show, only very briefly, and. <laughs> It's something that is that I think is beautiful that the wrestling community, not 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 the internet wrestling community, not just that, but the community as a whole, just created something beautiful that we should all cherish. And what was that, that is? Find out next week. All right, that's my preview. Message me, message me about it because I'm nosy and I want to know. All right. Else, we will talk about it next week, and you better write that down so we don't forget it. Oh, yeah, it'll be down. All right, and maybe well, maybe we can have Gabe here too. That is a possibility. We gotta see how everything goes with our scheduling. Yeah, our scheduling is now gonna be a bit uh weird for the time being. So please hang in with us. Yes, absolutely. 
it's looking like we're going to flex Monday and Tuesdays with whatever works for me and Gabe and Brandon. Um, it's looking pretty solid for me after this week. I was double booked at work for this week, but beyond this week, it's looking pretty good for me. For, you know, Monday, Tuesday, it's just a matter of preference for you guys. So, yeah. But we will have the weekly show going on. It will be going over the same time frame of, you know, that previous um, Monday to Sunday. So, you know, this week we covered last Monday, seven days ago Monday, through yesterday. And then on next Monday or Tuesday's episode, we're going to cover today's happenings through this Sunday. So it's still the same time frame. We're just recording it at a, at a different time and different day. But I think I covered it all. Yep. I have nothing else to add. All right. Well, we will catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening again. We are almost at 400 listens, which is awesome. That is amazing. It comes come such a long way. Yes, in a little bit of a short time. But yeah. I'm, I'm uh, happy to have seen the growth. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad we could figure it out with scheduling. Yeah, because I knew, I knew it was going to be rocky. Yeah, we'll figure it out, though. We got it. Oh, yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you, guys, and we will see you next week. Yeah.